SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive science knowledge showcase. I'm your host, Hank Green. And joining me this week, as always, is science expert, Sari Riley. Hello. And our resident everyman, Sam Schultz. Hello. This is our first recording after after, uh, returning from the break. That's not going to seem like it to you, but we do things... All out of order here on SciShow yep. Tangents. So we're, we we recognize that we're a little rusty. So we spent the first 10 minutes just talking. One of the things we talked about was the fact that Sam, I think, thought that Panic at the Disco was a Panic at the Disco song. Is that oh, right? I don't <laughs> I actually didn't. I didn't think that until you said that it maybe was. And then I looked it up and it wasn't. Because it does sound like they would have a song called that. I think I was the one who said it, to be fair, and to lampoon myself. Is this a good Weird Al song, Panic in the Discord? Which it would be if Panic at the Disco were a song, which unfortunately it's not. Sometimes Weird Al does those mash-em-ups of a bunch of songs, you know? He does like his polka thing. So his polka Uh song for a new album, Weird Al, hit me up if you're listening, I'll help you write it, Uh is Panic in the Discord, and it's all... Panic at the Disco songs about yes. uh, about the internet or something, I guess. Oh, so he Different he polkas oh. and yeah. and he 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 actually does a parody in the polka, which he doesn't usually yeah, do. which he doesn't usually do. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And uh, and it's like a five minute song that's just 
I could not name for you a Panic at the Disco song. I, I'm going to lose uh, fans with do that. They have, do they do high, high hopes? Is that them? What I'm thinking is when I was a young man, my father no. took that's me into the city. That's not Panic at the Disco? No, I that's. I don't actually know. Uh, welcome to the Black Parade. That's bands it, called ma- Welcome to the Black Parade. <laughs> No, yeah. <laughs> Everyone who's our age is yelling right now. Yeah, because yeah they are. Is... They're yelling at their yelling. It's, it's, that's, that's my, my chemical, chemical romance. My chemical that romance. One. Yep. Uh, of course. I apologize. Now I really will lose fans. <laughs> I have no yeah. idea how related those two bands are. I They seem like they'd be best friends or worst enemies. I don't know which one. Well, just, just remember I'm 42 years old. I listened to <laughs> very cool music before my chemical romance existed but not since but i do think it would be cool if every band had to write and perform a song that was their name they might be giants have a song called they might be giants so my favorite band fulfills this rule it's just called they might be giants and the lyrics are largely they might be giants over and over again that's fine yeah even if a band's um theme song as it were yeah is just them singing the name of their band over and over and over again, I would yeah. accept that as a, as a valid entry into it. The better ones will be like a great TV show theme song where there's some backstory. You get a little bit about each of the members. Maybe you, you get the some vibe of the, of the band. Yeah. Like some history. Just packed into a 30-second jingle that really is right. an Catch earworm. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going on, on here. what I missed on this band. Yeah. If I was showing up to this concert and I yeah. knew nothing. I desperately need that, apparently, for My Chemical Romance and Panic at the Disco. I need them to have written that song. Sarah, have you heard the Monkees theme song? No, I have not. It's literally what you just described. (laughs) Hey, hey, we're the Uh, Monkees. People say we monkey around. I'm an innovator. That's all you need to know. But we're too busy singing to to bring anybody down. Yeah. That's that's the vibe, right? We're just Mm -hmm. having a good time singing. We would never be mean. (laughs) (laughs) that's like a pretty good vibe to go into as a band Uh uh-huh we're not mean we like to sing go i know so much about the monkeys now never having heard a single one of their songs and i bet i would know even more if i actually listened to it because then i know what their music sounds like yeah so yeah i think this is our new podcast where we come up with theme songs for all oh, the bands. Oh, I like that. We write. Tuna will write the, the yeah. music oh, to yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Just put it all on Tuna. <laughs> <laughs> a full song in the style well, of every different musician that's ever existed. I want to know uh-huh. if... So hit us up on Twitter where I, I will get secondhand information from someone. <laughs> so um, pass it over. With any b- other bands that have written their own theme songs. I think that if you're My Chemical Romance, it's a little bit too... Like, you're trying to be very... You're trying to be pretty cool. And it's not uh-huh. very cool to be like, my chemical romance. <laughs> We're just a couple of bros, man. And just like going to, and then like naming each of the bros. <laughs> I think that was really I think that'd cool. be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's look at who the bros in my chemical romance are. <laughs> Their names all rhyme so perfectly. Come on, guys. They do. <laughs> there's yeah. Gerard Way. There's Ray Toro. Ray rhymes with way. And then there's Frankie Arrow, which rhymes with Toro, and there's Mikey Way, which rhymes with Way and Ray. You're just leaving it's so money good. on the table, They're, folks. It Come writes on. itself. <laughs> the theme song writes itself. Come and Hank on. already wrote the first Gerard, line. this is unacceptable that you haven't <laughs> done this yet. <laughs> I know Gerard listens to the podcast because he is a huge dork uh, from everything I've ever read or heard about him. Uh, so I 
I assume that he's going to take our advice. Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts while also trying to, and failing to stay on topic. Our panelists are playing for glory and for Hank Bucks, and I'll be awarding those as we play, and one of them the, at the end of the episode will be crowned the winner. But first, as always, we're going to introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem. This week is going to be from Sari. We're my chemical romance. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I need some help, and here's the thing. What's the word for a sort of biological string? It's outside, (laughs) not hidden within the gut, and tends to stick out behind the butt. Some are twisty and long and free to wrap round some grass or the branch of a tree. Some are strong and stout and flat to paddle in water or compress a mud mat. Some are fluffy and point up towards the sky. Others hang down unless they're spotting a fly. It's not an arm or leg or wing or hoof. It's on creatures that honk and on critters that woof. (laughs) And lots of things don't have one at all, tucked away with the spine, vestigial and small, or it never evolved. Their body just ends in a hard or soft casing that doesn't extend. It's really bad luck that my brain chose to fail at recalling the name of this appendage that trails behind quails and whales and horses and dales. Ah, well, let's see what this podcast entails. Wow. (laughs) That was like the platonic idea of a science poem. That was so good. Yeah. (laughs) The topic of the day is tales, which I predict is going to be undefinable. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a, a hairy one for sure because <laughs> yeah. there's a, there's all kinds of things that like sometimes a tail is just made out of feathers sometimes a tail is made out of chitin or like a like a scorpion has a tail but like mm-hmm. is, does that count even it must right but that's a totally different sort of like biological thing than like the extension of the vertebra uh like the extension right. of the vertebral column that is is like a mammal tail or a vertebrate tail that's the the divide and that's where it gets finicky is mm-hmm. how precise do you want to be with your language when right. you're talking about tail and for what purpose are you are you saying the word tail if you just mean the, the thing, thing behind the animal mm-hmm. the tail will do probably yeah. for so many different things the whether it's feathers or the the back part of an insect, kind of like how we use butt for the butt fact. It's just like, it's the, it's the back it's a, part. You know, it's a butt. It's, it's, it's the sticky outy part. It's, it's the anything tail. that's close to butt like. So is it kind of sticky outy behind the back end of an animal? It's a tail. It, it, is a, does a snake have yeah. a tail? It kind of, it's there. Snake it definitely has a tail. It, like has yeah. a, it has like a part of the body where the digestive tract ends. And then there's like just, it's, then it's just muscle and bone. Like it doesn't anything like, post like you definitely don't have right? intestines in your tail, right? But I guess a worm does. Is a worm just oh. one tail? Where's a, t- a worm's butt? Is it at the other? So right at the end. end. Yeah. So I wouldn't a, think that he'd have as a we tail. as I, I believe we have a... said on the podcast before. Worms are just an just intestine. A digestive tract. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't think worms have a tail. I think it has to be after your butt to be a tail post butt. Well, so I don't think insects scorpion. have butts tails. Yeah, right. and then and a scorpion tail, its anus is at the end of its little it is little oh. bit. Yeah. I so technically they don't I, have a tail. I would have assumed it was like a snake. Yeah. Yeah. Where there'd no. be a pooper and then the, the tail would go out. But it poops out of its no, stinger and pooper. Do they poop on their heads? Or do yeah. they point it behind them? <laughs> no, they can point that thing wherever they want. They sometimes probably poop on their heads when they want to. Oh shoot. Yeah. They they, they can do it. Poop. Wouldn't you do it sometimes <laughs> if you could? 
No. Just once to see if you could, what it felt like. <laughs> All um, right. We'll do, a, we'll do a quick poll of the audience. <laughs> if you had a tail that could reach your head, would you poop directly onto your head just once? As a baby, I would have. As a kid, oh, absolutely. Like when I had no control and I rolled around in mud for fun, I would absolutely poop on myself just yeah. once. Oh my oh. God, it would be, there'd be a name for it. It'd be like, oh, <laughs> little yep. Jimmy had his first head turd. Yeah. <laughs> first and only, I hope. Yeah. So I'm satisfied that we're not even going to get close to the bottom of this one. No, I can try a little bit harder <laughs> to get a little bit okay. a- away from the bottom. If you want to, do it in terms of bone and skin and muscle. Then okay. the we have different types of vertebra in our spine. Oh. Like for example, the cervical vertebrae are in your neck, and then the thoracic vertebrae are anchor your rig- rib cage. The lumbar vertebrae mm. are in your abdomen. The sacral vertebrae are oh. with your pelvis, mm. and then the caudal c a u d a l vertebrae are the tail vertebrae. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oh. in humans. The and other tailless primates, they are called the coccygeal vertebrae. They are fused into the coccyx, which is your tailbone. But in other, like in a cat or a dog or a lizard, then the caudal vertebrae are what make up the interior of the tail. Um, and so, if you want to dive in zoologically and try a little harder to define tail, then it includes the the caudal vertebrae and then some sort of muscle skin tissue wrapped around the outside. And mm-hmm. by that very narrow definition, then you need to have a spine. So with vertebrates, at least we can kind of say, do we know where the word tail came from? As far as I can tell, and as far as the Oxford English Dictionary can tell, uh, it just came from hindmost part of an animal. Like it it meant that oh, okay. all the way back to old English so it's just and a word for old butt. Germanic. Yeah, but, but like a hairy butt? Kind of. Oh. So mm. the the primary sense seems to have been like tuft of hair as opposed to like the hairless tail of a like a scorpion or a bee or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but where that etymology shifted is kind of mushy. And another word in addition to tail that they used for tail as like the tail end of something was start, which I thought was really now, interesting. Wait a minute. <laughs> Oh, okay. So the tail of an animal was called the start. So you're just like, ah, oh, the animal started there. <laughs> uh, and that little ropey thing is the tail of an animal. Yeah, that's very confusing. Yeah. That's not, that doesn't seem right the opposite at all. opposite of what yeah. they are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like I start up at the top, but I don't know. Where do I start? Anyway, I think this might be time for us to do the game. Do you guys want to do the game? Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're going <laughs> We're going to be playing a game called Where's the Lie? Uh, in this game, I'm going to be describing to you a few in a few sentences something kind of science-y, uh, some kind of science-y story thing. And uh, it will be true except for one thing. And it's up to you to figure out what the untrue part of my science story is. It's tricky. It's like you're going to well actually me, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and be mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, that's close, but not quite. So... Round number one. We're going to start with a fat 
tailed dwarf lemur of Madagascar, and it depends on its fat tail as a way to survive its hibernation periods. The lemur usually weighs about 4 to 10 ounces, but to prepare for torpor, its hibernation, the lemur will eat fruits and nectar to double its weight, and roughly 60% of its total body weight uh, during this phase will be in the lemur's tail, providing a fat store to keep it alive as, as it rests in tree holes or in underground burrows. What? Was the lie. The the sixty percent. I bet it's more than sixty percent of its body weight. You is are that right that it is that part of the fact. Okay. <laughs> but you should have shut up there. Uh, but I'll give it to you. Is in fact forty Actually, uh, it's less than sixty percent <laughs> oh, of its no. body weight. <laughs> that is correct. No, Sam gets it. Um so the tail ends up being 40% of the total uh, of the lemur's total body weight. 60% will be a lot more than 60% will be a heck of a lot, but who knows? Uh, doesn't Animals even sound really very weird. impressive anymore. <laughs> that seems like a lot. <laughs> How fat is that tail? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that fat. Mm-hmm. Come on, fat-tailed lemur. I've seen fatter <laughs> tails. So uh, Madagascar doesn't get very cold, so you'd think maybe they wouldn't need to have hibernations, but droughts can drive a lack of food that requires animals to conserve energy, and dwarf lemurs are the only primates on Madagascar known to deal with this by hibernating, and they rely on their tails to do that hibernation. Uh, They might breathe once every 10 minutes during this hibernation and have a heartbeat of just six beats per minute, and it can last for up to seven months, though they will take breaks to reset their heart rate and their body temperature uh, sometimes during their little torpor period. Wow. Cool. And they're really cute, too. So, round number two. In the 1970s, researchers studying a Persian gecko found that it had an oval-shaped growth on its tail with long scales coming off of it. Since then, scientists have learned that the strange growth on its tail is a spider-shaped lure meant to draw in birds and other prey. This method of attracting prey with one's tail is called caudal luring, uh, just like Sari said, C-A-U-D-A-L, caudal. And it's found in other animals like the common death adder, which wiggles its tail around like a worm to lure in prey. What's the lie? I think that the spider-shaped spider decor on its tail is too scary uh-huh. because okay. I, if I, if I was a bird or a predator or something, I would like be scared of that. And so oh, maybe it looks like more wormy. Maybe instead. more wormy than spidery. Okay. Is that the lie? That's not the lie. Sam. Oh, okay. <laughs> is the death adder thing the lie? Something about that? Does it not? not does the death not. adder not do that? Okay. Nothing to do with the death adder. Sari, what do you have? Okay, I'm still fixated on this growth. Uh, There were not scales coming off of it. They were like um, nodules or whatever is inside of intestines, but on the outside, kind of like skin skin tags. Instead, so super floppy instead of hard and scaly. That's that's terrible. No, that's not it. (laughs) Uh, It's not the Persian gecko. It's some other kind of gecko. Oh, God, say that. It's just very, that's very close. Not even another <laughs> kind of gecko. It's just some other kind of guy, totally. Yeah, well, it's not a Persian gecko. It is, in fact, a Persian horned viper. So it's a kind of snake, oh. not a kind of lizard. Oh. 
but I'm not going to give that to you, Sam. So the okay. Persian horned viper in the 1970s, the growth seemed like a like an unusual thing, but they weren't sure if this viper was like a separate species. But it wasn't until 2006 that scientists were able to determine that they had actually been watching a different snake species, which they named the Iranian spider-tailed viper. So uh, it, it was none of it was true. It wasn't a Persian gecko or a Persian <laughs> viper, but we thought it was a Persian <laughs> viper for a long time. Oh. Uh, and it turns out it is a separate species that has its own little tail lure. The, the researchers actually put a couple of these vipers in an enclosure with a bird. And the, when the bird was around, they would wiggle their tail to make it look like a crawling spider oh. and trick the bird into attacking it so that the snake could attack the bird. What a nasty oh, guy. Boy. That does more sense than a gecko trying to do it because a gecko can't do anything yeah, about the bird a bird would just, just be like, get hell, hell i'll eat you too i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right round number three ring-tailed lemurs live in madagascar and they get their name from of course their tails which are decorated with 13 bands of black and white the tails it turns out are useful for maintaining their home when traveling as a group the ring-tailed lemur will keep their tail pointed into the air as a flag that keeps everybody together and when potential rivals enter their territory, the lemurs will use their tails to whisk dirt into their rivals' eyes. That's really cute. It's cute, <laughs> but it's also kind of da- it's also kind of down dastardly. It is kind of a dirty kind of action. Of you can't yeah. just throw people throw dirt Sand in people's, in people's eyes. Face, yeah. <laughs> hmm. I've I've heard the thing about their tail leading people, mm. like like keeping them together. But maybe that's not true. So I'm going to guess that first is not true. The tail. Uh, you're wrong. You're wrong. That's real. Uh, okay. I think that they don't spray dirt at their enemies. That feels inefficient. Maybe they like their tails are really long. Maybe they like if they're prehensile, they like chuck objects at them Full or like whack effect. their enemies or or do something else with their tails. <laughs> you've got you've got it pretty much spot on. So they do not use their tails to whisk dirt into their rivals' eyes. But when a rival lemur encroaches on their territory, the male ring-tailed lemurs, what will they do to, to get them to go away? They'll just shake their tails at them. Oh, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's enough, huh? That's apparently enough. Uh, instead, uh, it's actually to uh, throw smelly compounds into the rival's face. Oh, so okay. there's not there's no uh there's no kind of a fart attack no of some dirt. Sort. It's a bit of a fart attack. Yeah. Okay. The male ring-tailed lemurs have glands on their wrist that they can use to produce chemicals that vaporize in the air, and the males can use those glands to mark trees, but they also rub their wrists on their tail, and then they shake their tail to release the chemicals as a smelly message to the rest of the world. And during yes. much of the year, lemurs will use a set of chemicals that are bitter and leathery smelling to warn off males. Imagine if Spider-Man couldn't shoot webs out of his wrists and instead had to like his rub it on a stink. tail. He's <laughs> got stinky, guy got stinky yeah. wrists. <laughs> Uh, that's all I can picture now. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't really understand why Spider-Man got his spider glands on his wrists. Instead of the butt. Instead of his uh, butt. He didn't. He has to make web shooters. He just has them on his wrist. He does not have organic web shooters. Okay? That was a great noise, Sam. You were kind of far away from the mic. I don't know if everybody else heard it. Uh-huh. I mostly just didn't want to have to say it, but... It's like you've said this to us before. Like, no. And I'll, I'll say it again. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I was more embarrassed guys, for myself that I was about to say it. 
<laughs> oh, I thought you were embarrassed for us. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't want to know it, but I did know. Well, that uh, leaves us with Sam and Sari tied at one point. Next up, we're going to take a short break. Then it'll be time for the fact off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Factor, whose ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning. Stress is stressful. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Life just goes and goes, and it doesn't ever stop going. There's always something else to do. And one of those things is a very important thing called eating dinner. To eat dinner, one must pick out what they want to eat and then go to the grocery store and then buy the stuff and then chop the stuff and do other things to the stuff. You have to heat the stuff and put it in water. And then afterwards, you have to take the things that you heated it in and they're gross and you have to make them clean again. Meanwhile, life is still happening. That all oh, all oh, that's building up around you. Oh, this is like, terrifying. I'm so <laughs> I never want to cook again. <laughs> You're right, Factor Ad. I don't. I don't want to have this happen. This is unacceptable. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, parentheses, all the time, uh, you just don't have the time or the energy for meal planning on top of everything else going on in your life. So thankfully, Factor is here to help. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon come mealtime. You can get chef-crafted meals that are better for you and better tasting than takeout delivered right to your door, ready to heat and ready to eat. No prep, no mess, no sink full of dishes, no stress. We're kicking stress out the door in 2024, and I certainly hope that's true for me. <laughs> Heck yeah, Factor. Kick my stress. Right out the door. <laughs> I'm going to get a chest freezer just for these meals. <laughs> oh, you're going to need one because they have over 35 meals to choose from. Flexible ordering options, add-ons, smoothies. Factor offers all sorts of fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook. Banish your stress. Even if it's just for like one hour while you're eating dinner, head to factormeals.com slash tangents50 and use code tangents50 to get 50% off. That's code tangents50 at factormeals.com slash tangents50 to get 50% off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S.
All right, everybody, welcome back. Get ready for the fact off. Our panelists have brought science facts to present in an attempt to blow my mind. And after they have presented their facts, I will judge them and award Hank Bucks any way I see fit. But to decide who goes first, I have a trivia question. While most animal tails have cross sections made up of circular or oval segments, seahorses are unusual in that they're have tails made up of square segments. These Mm -hmm. squares make their tails stiffer and stronger. How many square segments make up a seahorse's tail? 13. I'm just going to throw out a number. That feels like an okay number. Mm -hmm. 20. They have 36 segments. Sam, you get to decide who goes (laughs) first. Uh, I will go first. So kites have tails, as we know, and the purpose of those tails is to add some weight and stability to a kite to help it stay stable as they swoop and soar through the summer sky. And several species of butterfly, especially butterflies in the swallowtail family, also have tails trailing off of their wings. And you might think, like I did, that those probably help the butterflies also swoop and soar through the summer sky, similar to a kite's tail. And didn't think much more of it. And that also was apparently what scientists must have thought, because at least according to a quote I read, nobody really seemed to have done a deep dive into what butterfly wingtails did until a paper was published in May of 2022 Mm. with some convincing evidence that they acted a little less like kite tails and a little more like lizard tails. So many lizards, famously, are able to drop off their tails when escaping danger, which sounds Mm. not super fun, but more fun than having your head bitten off. And for that matter, some lizards have brightly colored or patterned tails to encourage predators to target their tails over more vital parts of their body, so their tails just look delicious. So based on that concept and the knowledge that butterflies also use wing coloration to draw attacks away from their main body parts, a group of scientists began to wonder if a swallowtail's tails were another part of their predator-escaping toolkit. So the first thing they did was go out and catch a bunch of swallowtails, and what they found was that 47% of the swallowtails that they caught had damage to at least one of their tails. So that was a pretty promising start. Mm. Uh, The next Mm -hmm. step was to glue some real butterfly wings onto fake butterfly bodies on sticks and then wiggle those around in front of a bunch of uh, wild great tits that they caught, which looked really goofy and and fun. And the birds attacked the dummy butterflies and and the scientists took a look at where they were taking chomps and they found that 73% of the chomps were out of the back wings and about 40% of those attacks were centered around the tail which made the tail the most attacked part of the butterfly wing. And last but not least, the researchers tested how hard it was to rip different parts of a swallowtail's wings apart. And they found (laughs) that the vein that the the little tail has inside of it was the most fragile part of the wing. So it's easiest to rip off. And that all sounds like pretty good evidence to me. And there's also research that suggests that spiders might mistake certain butterfly tails uh, and wing spots for their uh, antenna and head. So they think that the butt is the head of the thing. And while it's not explicitly stated in the paper, a little conjecture from me, birds might similarly be making uh, that same mistake, trying to eat a butterfly's head and actually just taking a little snip off its butt because they're stupid. <laughs> so, Sam also has a theory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's also cool that there's really moths cool. That, have the, that moths have the tails too, but they use them for completely different reasons. They're like really? baffling they're like baffling bat sonar and stuff. Oh, they like make the make of the signal make of the else. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. I love that. Uh, I had never thought of it. You know, like you look at a butterfly and you don't think, what's the purpose of this beauty? You just think, gosh, pretty. Um, but of course they're not pretty for us. That's really cool. I love that. That's a good one, Sam. Thanks. Sarah, what do you got? 
So while they might not be direct extensions of the spinal cord, I had to put that Well, don't worry. Sam's, Sam's weren't do- even yeah. close <laughs> to oh, actual tails. tails. Though. Yeah. tails. Um, so many bird species have really fabulous looking tail feathers called retrices that can be precisely controlled by muscles. Their tail mm-hmm. feathers can help with all sorts of things from stability and steering during flight to elaborate mating displays. And the male superb bird of paradise and Vogelkop mm-hmm. bird of paradise both use their long, voluminous tail feathers for these wooing purposes. The superb species splays out its feathers to form an elongated oval, while the Vogelkop species forms a crescent shape instead, so like an oval with the bottom cut out. But what's more impressive than the shapes of their tail feathers is the color of them. Specifically, their black feathers have thick, dense, almost tree or seaweed-like barbules, which are those horizontal keratinous structures that make a feather feathery, that scatter light so intensely that the inky black color approximates human-made ultra-absorbent black materials. And according to measurements in a study published in January 2018, these super black feathers can absorb up to 99.95% of directly incident light. And from what I've found, the various carbon nanotube structures in material science labs have achieved around a maximum of 99.96% to uh, a max of 99.995% absorption, which is pretty good. Uh, And even when these bird of paradise feathers were coated with a reflective metal like gold, they still remain black because of how the barbules bounce around light, which is very cool. Who did that research? Just like... Like nano deposit gold on a on bird feathers just to see what happens. Love Same that. study, yeah. That that January 2018 study, they took a black feather from a different bird and black feather from this bird and then sprayed them with gold. And as with many <gasps> extreme visual adaptations, scientists think that these tail feathers are so light swallowingly black in order to highlight a couple of bright blue feather patches during their mating dance, Mm -hmm. which end up looking kind of like a haunting smiley face in a void. Mm -hmm. It's very weird. I highly recommend watching a video because it's very silly. Um, And (laughs) they don't think so. They think it's extremely (laughs) important and sexy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. To my human eyes, it's like, what are you doing? You've got a void. (laughs) And then some blue pinpricks of light. And scientists have tried to mimic the structural color of a variety of animals, including certain butterfly wings, uh, extracting blackness from them. So we could probably learn a thing or two about these tail feathers that could give telescopes or other optical engineering feats a boost. It's also cool that it's not about, you can coat it with gold and it's still black because it's not about the color that the mm-hmm. substance itself is. There is a there is something, there's like an, an effect on photons <laughs> where they mm-hmm. can't get out. And that's why it looks black. That's cool. Well, you guys are tied too, so now I really have to pick. So I have to think about well, they're and they both make good TikToks. Sari, can you find me a picture of the gold feather next to the not gold feather, but that both have been sprayed with gold? I can find you pictures of butterflies. <laughs> I know they are <laughs> good. Want. Butterflies are good. <laughs> I mean, there's one in this paper, but uh, I don't know if you uh, you can use whatever you want on TikTok. I don't know how. how <laughs> yeah, I don't have yes. the rights Bible. I own. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. That little carbon, that little electron microscope image too. That's freaking dope. All right, Sarah, congratulations on your win. Ah, damn it. (laughs) And now it's time to ask the science couch where we have a listener question for our couch of finely honed scientific minds. 
Ariandia on Discord and at Alexandre on Twitter asked, why did we lose our tails? I'm sad I don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sad you don't have one too? I think I am sad I don't have one, but I... I don't know. I might be really gross too. I think I'd only want one if everybody had one, not to be a conformist, but I don't like, if I had like a really awesome prehensile tail and it was super useful, I kind of still wouldn't want one if I was the only one. (laughs) Um, Can can I say something that is not an answer to the question? Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I think that it will be pretty easy it, if we want to, to give people tails in the future. Robot or organic tails? Organic tails. We just like, you know, yeah. yeah. Germline engineering. You got to like, just change, change the, change the genes. I bet, I bet it won't be hard to unlock the tail. I bet it's all it's still in there. People are going to want tails too. If Avatar 2's box office is anything to go off. Of, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> James I think Cameron tails... is really like paying you for that <laughs> placement there. I don't. Wow. I don't think that our tails will be as um, elegant or multifunctional as the uh. Avatar tails, though. Unfortunately, <laughs> That's well, yeah. I don't actually know what why tails were enough of a disadvantage. Was it have to do with bipedalism? No, like chimps don't really have tails. They have like a little thing, don't they? Do we just get too big? Because like gorillas don't have tails, so maybe there's a certain size. I think thing they have nubs like... as well. No, I think uh, gray apes, which I think a gorilla is one of, yeah. has similar genetic mutations as us Okay, that do not have tails. So the, the rationale behind it is still up in the air. Why, why there are monkeys with tails and great apes without tails, why that split happened and why it was evolutionary advantageous enough, mm-hmm. we're not sure. A lot of people point to bipedalism or just general mobility, a tail. While it can be helpful, it can also get in the way. Um, some people, there are like a couple small theories out there that may have to do with like aggression. So as great apes get bigger, then the tail becomes another thing you can like yank on yeah. or mm-hmm. or get at if in conflict. That happens um, in Avatar so- too. Oh, okay. See, they (laughs) They should have learned. They showed us what our our current uh, state of being could be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But what is interesting to me, and I don't think was really substantiated until recently, like until 2021 in around September when a paper was published, um, the tail disappeared quite fast in evolutionary Mm. history. Mm. It was probably just one main mutation that switched from having a tail to not having a tail. So your unrelated thing is actually very related because we could probably switch back to having a tail if we could like get in there and change this, this gene mutation. So my my so, sense was correct. Yes, it, more correct than maybe you even knew. Um, <laughs> where <laughs> there is a gene called TBXT. This is getting into more intense genetics, so the names are all all yeah. mushy and not as fun as mm-hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog or whatnot. <laughs> um, and there are there's basically a short DNA insertion. It's called an ALU element. There are a bunch of them throughout our genome. A lot of them are just nonsense. There's a lot of junk DNA throughout the genome. But 
if you have a sequence, like an ALU sequence and then a reverse sequence, kind of like two magnets on a string, it'll like stick together and then mess with the translation and transcription of that one part of the gene. And so what happened was there was an insertion, an ALU insertion, that messed up our TBXT gene, which is related to tail development. Do we know if this is related to when people do have tails? Because sometimes people do have tails. I don't think it is related to that. Okay. From what That's I like can tell. things going on. So human embryos do sometimes develop in utero around like five or six weeks. So really, really small still. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a tail with a couple vertebra in it, but then it disappears by like eight weeks. So it's some... The the weird nebulous processing of human development, it happens there. But mm-hmm. most tails that develop through birth are pseudotails. They're some sort of like teratomas, which I think we've talked gotcha. about before, okay. which is just like a cancerous mass of cells. Um, and so there's like sometimes muscle and uh, cardiovascular and other tissue in that. Um and I think it's just because of a, a concentration of stem cells around the spinal area, but mm-hmm. it is not a true tail. Gotcha. Um, they're they're not innervated with the spine in that way. They're just kind of okay. like a flesh a fleshy mm. mass, um, from what I could find in papers about it. That makes sense, and I like the idea that we lost our tails because we kept yanking on them. It was just like, <laughs> oh, that's doing. <laughs> we gotta get rid of these things. To have a like handhold that's only good for hurting a person. Yeah. We were too mean. Yeah, we were too mean. But the Avatar, people couldn't get rid of it because it does all that stuff. It's got a bunch of rolls. That's their ponytails. That's not their tail. Their tail. That's the different thing, Hank. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) There was that sigh again. There was that sigh again. (laughs) I don't know if I should admit that I know this intimate detail about the Avatar. I thought it was their butt tails that they kissed with. No, it's their head head (laughs) tentacles. Faith is super disappointed right now, or possibly just embarrassed for her own sake. If you want to ask the Science Couch a question, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShow Tangents, where we'll tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week, or you can join our Patreon and ask us on our Discord, uh, where we may or may not be panicking on it. Thank you to at Raccoon Required <laughs> Jose Gallegos on YouTube and everybody else who asked us your questions for this episode. If you like the show and you want to help us out, it's very easy to do that. You can go to patreon.com slash SciShow Tangents, become a patron, get access to things like our newsletter and our bonus episodes. A special thank you to patrons John Pollock and Les Aker. Second, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. That helps us know what you like about the show and it helps other people find us. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell people tell about people us. Tell people about us. I'm serious. You got to tell people about us. And also, you can, you can tell them to check out our YouTube because that's there. YouTube.com slash SciShow Tangents. And then that we're also a podcast. You can see our faces and we'll also sometimes post little pictures every tuesday we do a premiere over on youtube and and i'm hanging out chatting sometimes hank drops true. in yeah and we do little polls so you can participate and this one maybe you will have done the poll on if you poop on your own head or not if you poop on your own head, head or not. <laughs>
<laughs> a really, really fun poll. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Sam Schultz. Our associate producer is Faith Schmidt. Our editor is Seth Glickspin. Our story editor is Alex Billo. Our social media organizer is Julia Buzz-Bazayo. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Trakravardi. The sound design is by Joseph Tunamedish. Our executive producers are Kaylin Hoffmeister and me, Hank Green. And we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. Technically, arthropod tails are the rearmost segment of their body called the metasoma, which includes classic butt anatomy like the anus or the ovipositor in certain species. And one of the most elaborate insect tails belongs to the wasp C. caramba, named after the Spanish exclamation, I caramba, because it was found (laughs) in the University Museum Collection in Lima, Peru, and surprised Finnish researchers with its weirdness. Specifically, (laughs) this wasp has a super long metasoma ending in a dark colored mass that looks scarily like an ant head with antenna, Hmm. possibly to scare away spider predators or lure in prey. Uh, Either way, it has a butt head. Very surprising. Enough to say, I caramba. Like Bart would say. Bart discovered it, actually. They (laughs) probably hid hid their identity. (laughs) He He turned his life around and got into science. But he couldn't couldn't keep that one part of him at bay. The part that says, I caramba. (laughs) Yeah.